welcome back to the Awazi Podcast, your bi-weekly dose of spicy conversations. I'm here with my guest, the problematic king, Sammy. <laughs> Sammy, Sammy G. Sammy G from New York. From New York City. I'm sure you all, all know him. He's been coming for our life on TikTok, both men and women, diaspora and local. So yeah, I'll give the stage to you, Sammy. Thank you for having me. I'm the main man, Sammy G. From New York, Bronx, New York, all day gang gang, bully coolie, kabu status, R.I.P. Easy E, G riding. That's the that's the whole gang slur. Damn, <laughs> just like shook. Yeah. Like what's going on? Yeah, yeah, that's the whole gang slur from my particular neighborhood. Okay. That was a gang slur when I was like 11, 12 years old. Oh my god. So born and raised in New York, Bronx, New York, uh, Eritrean, and um, problematic king known on TikTok as Sammy Revolution. I'm on all social medias with the same one, Sammy Revolution. Uh, on TikTok, I talk about more like, you know, social stuff, mm-hmm. uh, get into dating, business, lifestyle, fitness. So it's a, I get to do a little bit more flexing on my perspectives and my worldview. And uh, yeah, so I'm, a, I'm also an international consultant. I work at a, a firm in DC, uh, as well as I started a company here and I just but I've been around Africa for about four and a half years uh, Ivory Coast Kenya Senegal and uh, Ethiopia and Eritrea I've done a little bit of work there too but can't talk too much about that you know yeah. <laughs> keep it on the low yeah yeah yeah, yeah. alright this is great because I mean I'm glad you said your background uh, what really drew me to your page of course is you're very unfiltered in the way you come for people's lives <laughs> and I like and I like that I also wanted to get your perspective on you know when when it comes to business, entrepreneurship, the work culture here, New York or wherever else you've been, and also, you know, starting businesses, we're going to delve into all of that. So let's fire it off. So in one of your posts, you talked about, you know, the whole urban economic situation. You explained there the difference between having a lot of money, being rich and being wealthy. Mm. Uh, so I want you to speak a little bit on that. And while you're doing that, uh, let me know what is your first impression of the Ethiopian work life. So... Yeah, I've noticed here, uh, this is a difference in, in money. Well, in the clubs, you can kind of see it the best example of how money is thrown around. In Nairobi, I remember seeing when people pop bottles, they will spend two, like in terms of dollars wise, like around maybe four to 7,000 in one night. This is just some of the broke people, you know? <laughs> but people in just spending that much in one night, dollars, not not bur, dollars, that's literally, virtually impossible. Like m- maybe the, t- the elite of the elite will do that. Yeah, the 1%. The 1% can do that. But Bir, I've noticed people assume because they have a nice new car and they're spending, what, like anywhere from fifty to 200000 in the club for one night, they, they assume like that's a lot. Sure. And it is. It is. It is in, in this sense, but it's not because in the grand scheme of even in Africa, it's not. This, yeah, so when, when someone has a lot of money, that means they just have access to a lot of like let's just say in Ethiopia you have a lot of bur. most of your assets are tied up to the bank or tied up to debts or tied up to something else that's your ownership is probably very limited and like the money you generate is not permanent you know as opposed to being rich you will there's a difference now when you got a lot of money that's that's one thing but when you're rich you clearly see this person makes money while they're sleeping <laughs> this person has access to foreign capital this person leaves the country more often to get business done go to to Turkey, Dubai, Italy to get things done. And also, like, they own things. It's actual ownership of multiple things, multiple cars, multiple houses. You'll see that. But being wealthy in Ethiopia, that 
that's a very small amount of people because they don't have access to foreign currency. They have possession, literal possession of foreign currency. So they have a bank account somewhere. They have multiple passports. They have a bank account in more than one country. They have generational wealth. They can lose 10 million bid in one day off of a failed investment and the next hundred years will still be fine for them. Mm-hmm. Like they have ridiculous like wrath of God money. And that's the stark difference. They even have property and cars in other countries. You know, that's generational wealth we're talking about. That's that that is the one percent. And essentially unachievable to be honest for most people. For most people, no. I mean unless you made there's a lottery, the lottery effect which like the woman ride Mm. That's that. She definitely has foreign currency. She definitely has an insane amount of bird. So I would classify her as rich, mm-hmm. not wealthy, but very rich, as opposed to someone else. Let's say the the Sunshine Group guys. The Sunshine guys. That's wealthy. That's wealthy. That's <laughs> really wealthy. Really wealthy. And they earned it. They that family earned it through decades, right? So that they're wealthy. Ala Moody guys. Let's not go there. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. that's that's wrath of God, like I mentioned. Yeah. So yeah. Let's talk about. I mean, seems unachievable and will probably be unachievable for most people. But most people get their money from a nine to five. You know, if anything, if you're lucky, you can work part time and then have multiple accounts as a freelancer, which is also rare. I used to be a freelancer, and I've had friends. Uh, the person that I had on the second episode was also a freelancer, and then that's what we used to do. But that's if you're lucky. You usually go for a nine to five to to your work, and maybe you get benefits with a company, maybe not. It's usually the first company to company. So I want to get your perspectives on, you know, Ethiopian work-life balance, Ethiopian workmanship, or the entrepreneurial spirit. What do you think of that? What's your perspective? As opposed to your different, you know. And from New York, right? Oh, the stark difference between here and New York when it comes to the business and and work culture. Let me tell you this. In New York, it's unacceptable to be late. It's disrespectful to be a li- to be a little late on time. You just made it early. You're respectful as hell. Here, it's almost expected. Too many times I've been on time or early to something and having to wait 30, 45 minutes an, an hour. hour. And you know, I had to adjust to that because I didn't want to start like screaming at people. <laughs> I couldn't deal with it for the first uh, for the first year, maybe maybe 6 months to a year I really had to adjust to it. So that's that's one big thing. Punctuality is like almost a joke, which you know, like I can understand, you know, the transportation and commuting circumstances here are not as efficient as it is in New York. People are still tardy. Okay, there's the lateness. Mm. What about in terms of motivation? Yeah, let me be honest now. I feel like the difference in work ethic and work efforts between men and women are obvious. I think women put more effort into work than men do. Like, for instance, compared to men, I think women will give maybe 40 to 80 percent more effort than men because, first off, they have more to prove. Mm-hmm. They have more to prove because of the already the, the, the patriarchal system that's set up to yeah. against them. But more than that, they're more scared of being unemployed. Mm-hmm. And they're already possibly most likely getting paid less. And so their, their work effort is usually great. Men, sometimes I see it as they want to do the least amount of work for the most amount of gain. That's how I see it. And yeah. that's not only just the guys who work or the people who work. That's you. That's also from 
people who want to pay you, like from contractors that I've had, especially local contractors, they want the most out of me. But with the least amount of money yeah. and effort. Yeah. I've had people even have the audacity saying, do it for me for free. I'm like, uh, excuse, me? excuse me, do a whole business plan, pr- plan business proposal, pitch deck for free. And he has a big <laughs> smile on his face when he says this. I laughed, folded up my, my notebook, and I was looking at my business partner. I said, no, 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 this guy is a joke. The business culture here, it's hard. I This is why I prefer dealing with either people with more business values, more money, and foreigners, mm. especially like uh, people from abroad or like contractors, institutions, UN, or any anything else that's abroad. That contracts that I've gotten so far, they pay on time. They pay foreign currency as well, so that's lovely. I got people here that owes me, and I can't do nothing, even though they renege on their contract. I did my part, or they would cancel the contract a week before they're supposed to pay me. Mm. The audacity mm. of some of these people here. And like, if you want to go for the legal route, it's too much. Why? The best thing I can do is threaten their reputation, especially if we're in similar circles. People are going to know about how you move. Addis is small. People think it's big. Addis is tiny. Yeah. So one bad word from someone will spread really fast. And so the, fast. the rumor culture, like how rumors go, Bruh. is almost worse than COVID. I think it's part of our culture, the rumor yeah, culture. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. bunna. You sit around. It's not spilled the tea. It's spilled the bunna. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes, it is. It's almost expected for people that I try to curve that. How I go about it is, yeah, this person did this. I'm not going to say that person's name. Mm. And they look at me like, even he's been wronged, he's been burned, at least I won't hurt that person because that person has a chance to recover themselves. Yeah. So I'm I'll, I'll, give uh, them a chance. Yeah. I'll give, especially if I like them. I think for me, if there's someone who's consistently bad-mouthing people, I'm like, you're probably talking about this about me to someone. Ooh. So I judge them back. I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. I, just, I have to be careful around this person because clearly you just have no boundaries when it comes to spilling tea about everybody and anybody. Yeah, there's a difference between spilling buna and spilling tea. Yeah. <laughs> spilling buna, that's all about, for me, that's professional stuff. It's tea, it's a little bit nasty. Tea? Shy? <laughs> That's nasty. That means you're talking about like, oh, you know that person cheated on. Oh, you know that person got. Yeah. You know that person is. That's a little bit nasty. Mm-hmm. I refrain from that more <laughs> than anything. But let me uh, pivot back. back. Yeah, pivot back towards entrepreneurial culture. I noticed that there's a lot of business-minded people. They have the drive. They just don't have access to the capital. Mm-hmm. They don't have access to the um, resources, expertise, and resources to push them ahead. And you know, like they just have the idea, they have the motivation, and they have some of the things to get them started. But there's just that expertise to build them up. So that's why I'm, I'm a business developer. Business development is one of my favorite. It's my passionate one. But I also know originality, original ideas is rare to come by. Like somebody who has something, an original concept for something that doesn't exist. There's always things that exist, and it's just copy and paste with yeah. a little bit of a you twang. You like Frankenstein. You, you cut up different things, and then you put it together. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Like, they, they just, yeah, they just give a little twist to something that already exists, and they put it into a market that does, it doesn't exist in. Yeah. So you're filling a hole. You're filling a, a gap in the market. That's fine. But originality, like, I've seen people literally try to copy and paste your entire business idea, your entire business plan. They just change the colors, the logos, and the name. That's it. And it's just because they have the money to do it. And that's the thing. People don't understand that about, about business. It's like... 
if you take someone's idea, you didn't originate with the idea. So it's like kind of like having fake money, counterfeit money. You can spend this money in the club, you can spend this money in the grocery store, but can you take it back to the bank? No. You can see it's not real money. They're gonna know it's not real money, so you can't put it in the bank. You can only spend it out there like it's like acting like it's real. So basically same thing with a stolen concept, with a stolen idea. Just because you have the money to market it better, that doesn't mean you're gonna implement the longer term stages, like the long term benefits, the long term growth of it. You may not know how to put the trajectory to work. Because it wasn't your idea. Because it didn't come from your head. Yeah. So yes. Okay, cool. All right. That's a that's a different perspective. So do you believe in the saying like do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life? Yes. Should you love your job? Yes. I, I like what I do. Okay. I like what I do. I like helping people for nothing. I like working for people for a lot. But it's like loving what you do. You get a thrill out of it because you get you feel fulfilled from it. And you know, it may not pay all the time the best, but you never, like, as long as it brings you happiness, you're good. You're always going to get stressed out with, with what you do, with what you have. You have to have a few rainy days to enjoy some sunny days, you know? So that's how entrepreneurship is like. That's how work life is like. So I noticed that, though, people work in something that they're not passionate about. And it takes them years to figure out, like, okay, I need to pivot. I need to move now because I'm. if I get trapped in this, I'm not going to see my growth. My salary increase is going to be rare. I'm going to hate what I do. I'm going to hate everybody. I'm going to hate myself. I agree with you yeah. because I relate. I asked you because, uh, I mean, talking about the pivoting, my background is in law. And after two years of working in arbitration, I, I said, this is not for me. And I went into, you know, digital marketing and, you know, brand management, etc. And that's how I pivoted towards that direction. And the reason I wanted to ask you about like should you love what you do is because sometimes when you actually do what you're passionate about it sucks the life and love out of it so okay you love singing you decide to put your work out there and try to make that your work now you're not just a singer you're not just doing it because you love it now you have to be into digital marketing you have to be on blogs you have to go out to the clubs you have to meet the producers you have to do all of this and then that really sort of sucks the joy out of it because you just came into this work because you loved singing you were did not sign up for the seven thousand things that you will have to do to mm. make that into a business. Mm -hmm. So for me, I feel like if you really love that thing, I feel like it should be your hobby or keep it as that thing that you're passionate about that you can blow off steam from your other work or whatever. So I just wanted to get your perspective on that. And are you passionate about what you do? Do you love what you do? This, yeah, first off, yeah, the clubs are like the new conference rooms. That's literally it. Yeah, I've definitely found out in the first two months of being here. But yeah, you need to have something on the side to balance the stress it's like a coping mechanism. For sure. And it doesn't have to pay yet. It can pay in social credit, social mm -hmm. capital. And, you know, there's always ways you can make money off of social capital, which is social media, which is podcasting, which exactly. is which is influencing anything. You can make money off of it. You just have to know how to do it. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's that bridge to build. And it comes from, again, like time put in effort put in. Personally, my like side passion is getting involved in new things, getting involved in new projects that are mainly business driven. But if it's a true passion, it's something totally different than what your nine to five is, right? Yeah. If it's like something like usually it would be social impact. Like for instance, that's why I use TikTok. I'm going to say this right now. I am a social engineer. <laughs> is that what does that serve for you? Like so for TikTok and for the podcast that you're doing, which we will plug at the end, uh, does that serve that passion? 
passion or that side thing that I, you want to fulfill? I think, yes. I think in terms of social engineering, yes. That does, for me, this is my contribution to the progression of a culture or a society. Mm. As in, like, you, let's change your minds on these topics. This is a place where you can sway their opinions, you can sway their minds, especially if you're, on the, if you're saying something that's true. You know, there's always internal conflicts with people. Yeah, but if it resonates, then it's there. Yeah, and if it's if it's facts, you know, like mm-hmm. obviously why I'm problematic because I stand up for women. They do not like that. It's simply because there's someone who is capable, who's replacing you as, as the protector. As their protectors. And why do I have to step into your shoes? So in their mind, they're like, yo, this Andrew Tate looking ass guy, I'm yeah. calling them on their bullshit. Exactly. And I think that's what pisses them off the most is the fact that, you know, they want to pretend like these things don't exist. The workplace injustice, just the insecurity of people walking in the street. I never go anywhere without my earphones because it will ruin my day if I get catcalled on the street. And the only thing I can do is not hear them and make sure that, you know, I spend the least amount of time walking on the streets. And that's how I can protect myself and my mental health. Mm. But you call them out on those things mm. is just like indeed no that's not our culture and but you're not doing anything about it mm. and when someone speaks out about it ooh, the comment section is ooh. yeah comment yeah. keyboard the warriors. Comment warriors yeah but yeah no it's frustrating to them I can see it's frustrating to them but and then they try to bring up my Eritrean as oh you're attacking us you're attacking Ethiopia how I'm agreeing and supporting the ladies on your because you on your behalf on, yeah on, yeah like you're supposed to be doing this for me I'm not supposed to be doing this how about you step up to the plate and be a voice put your face in front of your words instead of being in the background low key with the support it's always user (laughs) 097000 that has shit to say like (laughs) yeah yeah and and I'm not trying to be mean to anybody you're just saying it like it is yeah it's that I put my face in front of my words I'm not user 001169 you know I'm this is me yeah and these are my views you know take it or leave it you can block me please block me do you believe that comfort is the biggest enemy to progress? You know, it depends. So you're talking about in a societal kind of sense where yeah. it's like, so comfort, people are comfortable, especially men, they should be comfortable in a, in a society that favors you. Of course mm-hmm. it's comfortable. You, why do you want to change anything Anything if it's in your benefit? Or, you know, why do you want to increase the competition in the marketplace, in the workplace? Of course it's comfortable because it's how you were raised. If you were raised in a household that your mom is the submissive one and, and, and you were familiar with this and you want to project that to every woman now, but you think that this Western ideology of feminism is a threat to your comfortability being in control over a woman's being. Her having no self-agency is comfortable for me because I get to have control over her because I don't have control over what's above me, other men. Men. Like men are competing with each other constantly, and it's a headache in itself because it, it's dangerous sometimes. A lot of times, to also put in women in this competitive marketplace—that's that's that's, that's, that's th- too much work. That's too much competition. That for them, that's a panic attack. Yeah, especially if they see someone who they deem to be less than. Mm in the same spaces that they occupy is also a point of, I feel like, contention. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. I've seen, like, men who are, like, in my old apartment complex, these guys who are, like, parking help or security parking guys, right? And something happened. Like, my business partner, who was a lawyer, she was trying to park in my spot. And the guy literally was, like, telling her, like, you have to prove to me that that's your parking space. She said to him, how about the next time this guy comes, let him prove to you that that's his parking space. And first off, she's younger than me. This guy's 
at least my dad's age, something like that. So him realizing the logical fallacy, like how he just got like immediately logically dismantled. Dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, he in his mind, he goes, I can't believe this woman made me look stupid. stupid. <laughs> like I saw the panic in his face. He's like, I can't believe this. He, like, and it's like for him, he's like the audacity. And it's like all she did was she proved you wrong. And he, that's fine. I don't think people should be attached to that. Something very simple, though. Yeah. That, I will never forget that that look he had too. But back to comfort is it's inhibiting progress. So I think when it comes to progress, when people think of like Western feminine, Western ideology, Western, they're able to take iPhones. West, they want to get Western technology. Exactly. They want to get Western Andrew Tate. They're very selective on very what on what they want to what adopt. They want to adopt and not. So okay. All right. So actually, uh, since we're talking about comfort and stuff, yeah, I want to delve into more. I think we've been talking about career a lot. Let's talk about the streets. Let's talk about the streets of Addis. And let me know what your perspective is on the dating culture here. Okay. So <laughs> my uh, dating experience here, right? It's been a mixed bag. Like I've had good decent and bad ones. Um, my first experience was complicated, but it wasn't bad. It just, we just went our separate ways because of difference of how we felt about each other uh, or how we wanted to progress with each other. Uh, the second experience I had, it was my fault. I will admit that I wasn't the best person. There's a difference between what I want and what she wants. And there was, there was probably me having like an emotionally reactive position where I wasn't the best person. And I wasn't very trustworthy as well. I'm not a trust. I'm not a trusting person like that because when I give, I give my all, and I wasn't really trusting because I've had bad experiences in the past. But my most recent one was a little bit different because we loved each other very much. We just had a difference of how we approached social media, let's just say. Like, how we approached the way we do things in terms of, like, interact with other people, having guy friends, who has access to you, and how to share intimate moments only with your significant other mm. and we just had to hit the ground running but I will admit I wasn't again I wasn't the most emotionally secure I needed more assurance and I have we all have love languages that's different that experience made me not want to be in a relationship for a while uh, but but basically overall though I noticed that here this is not the most trusting place to have a relationship because people will have side things a lot men and women, they have like a side thing. And I think people got so used to this kind of thing of like having a side thing. It, it, not all the time, trust me. I think personally, you can't find love in the club. No way. No way. Oh, he lied to us. Usher lied yes, to us. Yes, that man. Oh, Usher? No. Usher is a pathological liar. But yeah, you cannot find love in the club. And if you try it, you're going to fail. From my experience though, there's always going to be a... Uh, a difference in, in dating culture. Like for me, like I am a simp. I'm a heavy simp. <laughs> That's nice. I will give you everything you want. I will do. I will do whatever to make you happy. If you smile, I love it. If I make you, if I make you, if I give, you know, I will drop money into your account. I will drop, get sent flowers to you to your job. I will go to you on your lunch break just to take you to lunch and then bring you back to your job. Mm -hmm. I go too far just to make you feel you are prioritized. You are it. You know, I think out here, this that's not that's not the thing out here. Mm -hmm. So I overwhelm you. I don't love bomb. I just overwhelm you with positive stuff. And I don't expect anything. All I need from you is just assurance. And just maybe maybe a few things I need from you is just like don't entertain guys. I want you to be mean to every guy. <laughs> just 
give give every guy the devil face. <laughs> you know the wrestling bitch the face. Wrestling bitch give face. it to every guy except me. Don't don't let him think that he deserves that part of you. Just because you're a nice person, I don't care. I'll give you everything to just don't entertain nobody. And that's just what you need. Yeah, I think my needs are just very basic. And if you articulate that to the person you're dating, I feel like that's when you know that if it's compatible or not. Is that these are my boundaries and this is what I want. And then the other person, you know, tells you theirs, and then you see if that matches and if that's compatibility works or if one of you can compromise and if compromise is a thing that you even want so I think it's all about articulation right 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 I'm big on compromising there's some things I I can easily compromise on some things it's like no because I'm not grown enough to to handle this so and I know myself I know my boundaries please let's just do it this way self-awareness is key yeah 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 emotional intelligence self-awareness I realize here nobody knows how to self-analyze themselves it's hard for people to like I have this issue and I should curve this now for my own growth, personal growth. So, and you know, psychological issues here, mental health issues are usually so people go to alcohol for that. But let me pivot back. But basically, dating out here is, uh, it's a the challenge. The streets is hard. It's hard out here. But what you said about the whole side piece thing, that's more of an issue in other countries than here. From what I've seen, I don't want to hate, I mean, I love Nairobi. I would live in Nairobi. Like, Same. I love that city, but I feel like it's more dire there. And Nairobi is what, like the, I'm more familiar with the club scene or like the nightlife and stuff like that and people are like they straight up know that you're in a relationship they have a ring and you just had dinner with him and his wife and the whole group and then after she's gone they're trying to get with you and they're like whatever happens in Nairobi stays in Nairobi and that's the thing that happens and stuff like that so I feel like Ethiopia I don't know I'm not, maybe I, I haven't seen enough but yeah yeah I won't say any names but I've like last year definitely hooked up with married women because they're not happy there's a lot of unhappily married Married women here oh that are so quick to get away, just brief, brief, momentary getaway from just their husbands. <laughs> yeah, because first off, they know that their husbands are doing dirt. Mm. That's another thing here. They know damn well what their husbands are doing, and they can't leave because they've been in this for like. They have children. If and they do, but if they have children, they, it's hard. Plus, the socioeconomic situations and challenges that women face, they cannot escape the marriage out of insecurity, financial insecurity, mainly financial insecurity. If it's not in working hours she's put in an effort in terms of marriage and you know facilitating the house creating that family and losing that would be so she's a hostage most of the time these women are hostages in their in their marriages and it takes strength to leave it especially if there's children involved it's almost impossible though almost yeah. impossible yeah. so like I've that's what I'm saying I've hooked up with women who are married and it's because they're just not happy or their husbands are already doing their thing so there's some mm. maybe there's like an unspoken arrangement they have but in Kenya oh yeah I've seen it too overwhelming it's in your face <laughs> it's in your face here it's not in your face like that it's, no it's, it's there. there it's definitely if you're a man you see it more but if you're a woman you probably only know about it maybe because women don't want to be judged by other women they're not going to be like I suspect my husband of doing this because they're going to be like oh like she failed at her marriage or whatever so you just keep it under wraps yeah they're always blaming the woman for stuff here it's ridiculous and it's not their fault and I do feel this, this is why I stick up for y'all because it's not your fault but you get the brunt end of the stick Every time there's something that goes wrong, especially in a marriage, it's like, how does she not fulfill her role? Fulfill her husband, yeah. Yeah. 
And it's like, what if he was just a shitbag? <laughs> what if he was an asshole? Yeah. Yeah, like, what was he doing to fulfill her needs? Like, nobody really talks about it's that. It's not fair. Mm. It's not fair. You know, guys cheat out here like insane. And you would think that these are nice guys. Trust me, I've seen, I see the man's view more than the women's view here because I, I hang out with guys and I know guys who are in relationships with marriage. I see what they do. I will never say their names and I just say nothing about it. But let me tell you this. I will never be that kind of man. Not to, no offense, guys. You know what? you know who you are I would just never be like these guys because I seen what my mom went through and I and I seen the pain she went through and the tears crying I was young like five six seven eight whatever and I seen what she went through and my mom drilled it in me to never be like my father in almost every sense you know my stepdad amazing man award-winning guy seriously but my father piece of shit so I cannot be that guy a cheater a manipulator gaslighter a drunk gambler whatever all that shit that you know I cannot be that man and I'll be the perfect family man and that's just principle drilled into me since I was a kid and I got to see the strongest woman in the world the strongest person in the world that I know is my mother you know seeing where she was from an immigrant to like now hospital management went from making 20,000 a year scrubbing old people's asses to like hospital management so 20,000 a year to like 200,000 a year over the span of like 20 years yes, so mama. yeah like she's a perfect example of a woman's empowerment woman's strength I would be betraying her if I don't do right by women mm. and and that's the one person in the world I will never betray so that's beautiful I love that <laughs> I can't I didn't th- I didn't think I was gonna go there by the oh, way that's great I love that okay yeah. so other things that you do on your page other than you know stick up for women and stuff is you talk about your fitness journey and stuff Mm. so it's great I love that I mean I'm on it too I'm actually currently doing um, meal prep Mm. It's week two, mm. so it's been it's been going well, and uh, so let's dig deep into that. What keeps you motivated? Let me tell you this: I've I started this journey years ago, and my body has fluctuated in terms of weight and muscle mass, but my body has been conditioned to go up and down easily now, mm. and um, you know, and it starts with the legs. You got to work out the legs. Don't skip leg day. Please do not, because then it, it, your body cannot build if it's unproportional. Isn't it the, the biggest muscle that we have? It's, yeah, it weighs a lot, and you know, like that's half your body. Right there. Mm. Legs and diet. Here, I notice diet is very, like, it's a very carb heavy culture. Like, in general? In heavy. Heavy. But it has a lot of nutrients and stuff. But you have to put, like, greens. Mm. People don't eat enough greens. It's about, like, when you consume, what you consume, and how you consume it. You have to throw in, like, you know, fruits and vegetables. But meal prepping for me has been very, very key to this because I would make enough food for about, like, 10 meals. You know, I would split it between. Between four days, it would first off it saves you money. Mm-hmm. Saves you money, especially if you can cook. That's another thing. You gotta cook. You gotta cook. Guys, please learn how to cook. Go to YouTube, <laughs> learn how to cook. I'm probably gonna start a segment on my TikTok, me literally cooking stuff. So basically, yeah cooking, preparing your stuff. It's not cheap though, especially if you have like a budget, especially here, there's just the inflation. It's like, it's not cheap to really do a good meal prep, but you have to really dedicate months, especially if, if you're a man that's going from skinny to big, it's going to be a tough one. We have to bulk. Bulking, you, I feel like is more hard work than losing weight. Yeah. Going from big to lean is another challenge because then you have to eat a certain way. You have to, you cannot eat the same as going from small to big as opposed to going big to lean. So there's a science to this and you just have to YouTube this. I've studied this stuff, uh, how to work out, how to exercise, what to do, what, what form to do it in, what to eat. But what keeps you motivated like in terms of how do you stay consistent? So let me tell you a story, a quick one. Uh, years ago, I was on a date, like it was a second date or a third date, but I've known this person for a little bit and we were in Brooklyn. 
a group of like these African-American Caribbean guys, whatever. Uh, they were acting a little stupid. One of them definitely did something inappropriate to her. I didn't really see it too much because we accidentally like split because the crowd was a lot of people in the crowd. So they did something. And then when I like stuck up for her, I got my ass kicked by like four guys. So since then, I said, I will never be embarrassed like that again. There was actually more than four guys. Just the four guys were the ones I just decided to kick my ass for no reason too. I was just like, yo, stop. Said, what you doing, guys? And he said, yo, mind you, slap my glasses off my face. The other guy came from behind. I couldn't do nothing about it. But the thing is, I wasn't strong enough to protect her. And that messed with my mind. Then I started that journey. Like, okay, never will I be weak, physically at least. So then my motivation became like, not just to protect myself. It's like, yo, I got to protect the ladies out here. Because you know what I do? I imagine my little sister, when I see something like this, I just imagine it and put them in the substitute in my mind with these women. And it's like, no, you're not doing this. Definitely not in front of me. That's a little bit of a motivation. That, yeah. Just okay. protection. Yeah. Protection. And, and, you know, confidence. You know, I noticed being fit, people noticing it is a deterrence. People don't want to mess with me. So you don't even have to get into the fight. Yeah, because they look at me and they say, no, he's ready. So I enjoy that. I enjoy changing their minds without a single word. Mm, without doing anything. Nothing. That sounds great. I, I was going to delve into more of the my fun question segment. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So All right, shoot. First question would be like, what's something that people seem to misunderstand about you? Well, okay. Well, they, there's a prejudgment that they think like I'm some type of cocky diaspora guy that that's feeling himself too much. I suffer from depression sometimes. I go through mild, very mild periods of depression. You know, I miss my family. You know, mm-hmm. I miss New York sometimes. Like sometimes I feel lonely. In my entire adult life, I've went through many phases and I've even had to go through um, like counseling or therapy because, you know, like I had unresolved issues, you know, from childhood trauma, whatever. You know, like people think like I'm okay all the time. Like I'm, I'm all about myself. Nah, man, I suffer. I feel it. You know, I just know how to acknowledge it and how to deal with it. As opposed to a lot of guys here, they just go and drink. Yeah. That's how they deal with their stuff. They yeah. drink. They don't even do chat. They just drink. But me, no. I sit, I isolate myself and then I just do my thing. Sometimes I even cry it out. Get it off your chest, man. Just because I have this aggressive, tough guy persona, that doesn't mean, you know, I'm I'm always at 100. Yeah. Sometimes I'm at one. I have low points. I have high points. And they think I'm cocky when it's, in fact, I'm just confident. It, you know, the cockiness is not really from being a diaspora. I understand the differences between me and non-diasporas. I understand that, you know, I was privileged. I can't really say privileged because the reason why my parents left Eritrea was not, not for, not for vacation. No, no, not for work <laughs> opportunities. They were escaping bombs. But, you know, thanks to Mengistu, Haile Mariam. I hate that guy, but I have to thank him. That asshole. Thanks to him, I, I was given all these opportunities and privileges. All I want to do is bring it back to Africa. I don't see myself as better than you. I see myself as privileged to you, but I don't knock you for it. That's pretty much it. The misconception of this guy coming in here with his privileges, thinking that he's better than us. Nah, man. I got problems too. Trust me. Maybe not the same ones as you, but definitely still got my own issues. Trust me. But yeah. Okay. So the next question is, what makes you feel inspired or like your best self? It could be a song. It could be a meal. Mm, It could be a person. That's a good one. I think in terms of uh, inspiration or aspiration, it's like the philosophers I look up to, like Patrice Lumbumba, uh, like Thomas Sankara, Pan-Africanist people who tried and who died trying to make an impact on the continent, tried to separate us from our former colonials. You know, like, I think it's mainly around 
things involving African empowerment that drives me, that inspires me. All right. What's your mood lifting music? I would say it's there's a there's a band or there's a group called The Internet. I love The Internet. Yeah. Oh, which song? Yeah. Oh, which song? Which album? Which you album? Mean? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Ooh. They have a yeah. This is good stuff. Ego Death is a good album. So you should come here, sit your ass on the throne. It's a special affair. Better act like you know who I am. Who I am. I bet this was wrong. Make you feel nice and comfortable. Tryna act nice, girl, your cover's long. But you already knew that. You already knew that. You already knew that. But that's more soul. It's like different. It doesn't have to be, you know, like hype. Yeah, 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 yeah it can yeah. be chill. It's very chill. Decompressing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even some old school Eritrean music. Ooh, please put me on. Oh, shoot. Shoot. This is old school, though. This is old school stuff. Oh, my God. Like, I, I know you probably know, but, you know, stuff like. Sabina. Uh, Sabu, Sabina, Cookie, Cookie, Sabu, Sabina, Sakri, Kunopur, Diletti. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, what, what's up? So, no, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. So there's a few other songs I could put you on to, but yeah, that's, I do listen to the oldies. Yes. The, you know, the new Eritrean music, it's, it's a little bit more different, mm. but uh, I, I still like it's a, a lot age. of it. Yeah, it's a new age one, but it's still same, same but not same beat. Mm. Um, but the old school ones, hits hits like nothing hits else. different, yeah. Yeah, mm. like nothing can, so. Okay. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Right, Makes so. me feel more Eritrean, less, <laughs> less American, less that's New York, good, you know? That's good, that's good. It's always nice to, you know, connect with your roots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. I thank you so much for coming. You've been a delight. I mean, we don't even know each other that well. We go into the same circles, but mm. getting to know you better through this podcast has been great. Thank mm. you so much for giving me the time. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. Is there anything you want to plug? Check out the Diaspora Dialogue podcast coming soon. It's going to be having a good host. Also would like to plug my, my consultancy, uh, Ace Africa Partners. That's about it. All right, cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Ha, ha, ha.